0: for listening. Thank you
1: for listening
0: to the Outstanding Ohioans.
1: Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans podcast. Podcast hosted by my daddy. Hosted by my daddy. Thank you, Ryan. In today's interview, we are talking to Peter Jones, who is a native of the Cleveland area, Shaker Heights. He's going to be talking about his illustrious and diverse career as a lawyer, actor, public official, and now business consultant. Uh, He's also going to share some remarkable stories about his parents and some insights about what they did during the civil rights movement. Thank you for tuning in, and please remember to leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher at the conclusion of the show. Thank you for listening hello thank you for tuning in to the outstanding Ohioans show episode 12 my name is Ron silico and today our special guest is Peter Lawson Jones who is an attorney business consultant professional actor graduate of the Harvard College and Harvard Law married to Lisa father of three children Ryan Leah and Evan and has also served as served 22 years as an elected official Peter thank you for joining us today
2: The
1: opportunity uh, to talk to you and with you. Okay. Uh, well, what we do, Peter, is we, we focus on a, a few different things with this show that, that are standard themes. Is, is give us some background about your your time in Ohio. Uh, talk about well, well, and we'll do this in terms of the questions. Is we'll talk about what what your purpose is in life and what drives you, and then we'll wrap up the show with. Uh, What legacy you hope to leave behind? So, uh, just starting the interview, could you share with the audience what your background is in Ohio? Well, I'm a native Ohioan. I was born in Cleveland,
2: Ohio. I attended a school here uh, in terms of elementary school, junior high, and high school uh, in the Cleveland area. I graduated high school in 1971.
0: Hmm. Um, I returned to Ohio in
2: 1980 after having attended Harvard College and Harvard Law School, having worked in Washington D.C. for two years on Capitol Hill and for the winning Carter Mondale campaign, and then the transition. And then I had a political appointment at HUD. And I also spent a couple of summers while I was in law school working at it, San Francisco and L.A. So i had an opportunity to live around. The uh, work has taken me to Columbus on a regular basis. First, when I was a law clerk with the Ohio Supreme Court for the late Justice Ralph Loger, and then when I was a member of the Ohio General Assembly, I was
1: It's, I, I know we're going to get into it with your questions. You, you've got, you've have so many interesting things you've done from an occupational professional standpoint. Go, go, you know, kind of. I'm, I'm sure you got some direction in your life to, to pursue the different paths. Uh, going back to your childhood, who were some inspirations that or mentors that helped guide you on, on the path that you chose? That's great. So I've got two questions from hearing about that. Uh, Everyone that we interview teaches our audience some some things that can be taken by the listener for personal development. Define read with expression for the audience, because that's an intriguing concept. The chapter, the the sentence, and then you are able to share that intent of the writer with an outside audience. So that's what reading with expression is fundamentally about. Excellent, excellent. Uh, second question I had: you, you said so many wonderful things about your parents, and as a parent, I hope my kids could say some of those same things when, when they're older. Sure they will. Uh, talk about. Please. You you said some key words talking about your parents that I wondered if you could define for our audience core values that you took from your parents. You you hit on a you, you mentioned a few specifically, but if if you had a list of three to five core values that you took from your parents, what would they be?
2: one value. A second value would be that of hard work. My parents always worked. My dad came from a family of 11. His father was a sharecropper in North Carolina. Yet they worked hard, and, and my father's generation, there were 11 of them, did better than they stood on the shoulders of their parents to reach even higher. My mom was orphaned by the time she was 12 years old, so neither one of them had they made something of themselves, uh, and not not just materially, but they were well-respected and loved in the community at large. And they did it through hard work. There were no shortcuts. There was no silver spoon. Hard work and education and and the relationship between the two. I knew there was never a question that I was going to college. There was never a question I was going to go to a grade school. And there really wasn't. I knew that was expected of me by my parents, and that's the expectation I had of myself. So, um, so those are are two values. Um, another value is not just tolerating, but embracing diversity. Uh, my parents brought me up in ways that I was comfortable in any social setting, whether I was the only African American in the room or or one of a thousand African-Americans in I was I was comfortable with interacting with people of different races, different religions, different ethnic groups. Uh, my, my parents had a variety Usually <laughs> about my parents. One thing I like to say is that everything I've achieved in life, I owe to my parents. Anything I've done wrong, every, I learned all by myself and all by own. So that's really how I
1: see. They really uh, the only lessons they taught me were good lessons. The example they set was an excellent example. That's that's great to hear. Uh, one one question I I had. You, know, you, you shared your, your father and your mom certainly were involved in a lot of historical things in terms of civil rights. And you know, something that kind of perplexes me, and I wanted to get your perspective of this, is it seems that there's a lack of appreciation uh, for the civil rights pioneers in the movement and a lack of understanding about what, what really is the sacrifices that people really made uh, to help in that, that regard. What's your perspective on that? Well, I think people take things for granted. Mm hmm. You know, a wonderful example of that is, is to me, it's, it's perplexing. You want to tear your hair out when you see all the effort that now has to take place to get people to vote. Mm hmm. So, going back to your personal journey, so you, you go to Harvard, and if you could, explain that experience and then how that helped prepare you professionally for your many endeavors.
2: What's kind of interesting? I don't think you're necessarily aware while you're at Harvard, how you're benefiting. You don't necessarily have an appreciation for the fact that whatever activity you're interested in, you can indulge yourself in it at Harvard. I. Uh, you don't have a, necessarily a day-to-day consciousness that you're interacting with some extremely bright uh, young men and young women. Um, it's it, it interesting. The year I went to Harvard, there were six other students from my high school who went. There were seven of them. Hmm. So, so, to some extent, it was like continuing the interaction. With people that I had known in high school of the same intellectual level as that, but it was a wonder, it was obviously a wonderful experience. That's why after working for two years at D.C., I returned to Cambridge and attended law school there. I made lifelong friends, lifelong contacts. Um, uh, clearly my way has been made easier in life, by virtue of the fact that I went to Harvard. It did well there. Mm-hmm. I tell people I went to Harvard, then automatically. They're going to draw, rightfully or wrongfully, they're going to draw certain assumptions about it. They're going to think it's going to be pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> and so when people think smart, they're less likely to try to trick you or pull the wool over your eyes. So there's a lot of advantages um, to have gone, uh, uh, having gone to, to Harvard um, without question. And so those were some great days. I, I certainly enjoyed my those seven years that I spent in Cambridge.
1: in your introduction we talked about four things attorney business consultant professional actor and elected official what 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 was the order that you approach each of those occupations
2: At Detroit 187, acting opposite Michael Imperioli, up of uh, *The Sopranos*.
1: professional journey where can you go through your timeline with getting married and, and having your children
2: well, I've been married 29 years now
1: congratulations
2: uh, thank you 29 years on October 12th ironically October 12th was when my mom passed uh, hmm. so that's that day in the future is going to be uh, horribly bittersweet um, my children are 26 22 and 14 My 26-year-old, as I mentioned earlier, is a graduate of Ohio University, Uh, and he lives and works in D.C., and he's a has a very successful in the sales job there. He loves sales. God bless him. <laughs> and <just laughs> so he's enjoying the job he has. My daughter just graduated. My, my oldest son's name is Ryan. My daughter's name is Leah. Leah just graduated from Northwestern University, where she's a political science major. Uh, Ryan was a sports management major at OU and actually did work for the Cavaliers hmm. then the Washington Wizards uh, upon graduation from college. But Leah just graduated from Northwestern this summer and she is currently in Petersboro, New Hampshire, uh as a field organizer for the New Hampshire Democratic Party working on their coordinated campaign from the top of the ticket. Uh the US senator's up for reelection, the governor who's up for re election down through some of the local offices that are on the ballot in New Hampshire. Um I I think she'll probably end up working in uh D C or uh, Cleveland or Chicago, huh. um, and then my youngest, uh, Evan, a very smart young man, uh, taking some of the top courses in ninth grade at Shake Heights High School, and uh, he's a member of the swim team. And during the summer, he enjoys playing baseball, and he's a, a real good kid. Right. All three are wonderful kids. Yeah.
1: Right. So yeah,
2: so I found time somehow. But the, <laughs> ironic thing. the ironic thing—the ironic thing is—I should sure point out. Uh, I say, I found the time, apparently I was kind of stuck in a certain groove because my first two children are born on the same day, four years apart. <laughs> and, uh, and all my children were born during leaps years. So I, I don't, so, so imagine if I sometimes my wife and I had to, uh, uh, to conceive a couple pretty wonderful children. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's great. That's great. Um, yeah. You know something I've heard you 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 reference a few points. I wanted to explore it quickly. Is you keep talking about opportunities? What what are what have, what has been a singular key or two to three keys that you've one received the numerous opportunities and two you've t- taken advantage of them. Well, I, I think um, I've been lucky, but as Daryl Royal, the former football coach at the University of Texas, said. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm.
2: So I like to think that I've been prepared when opportunities have presented themselves. Um, and I and I I only consider as opportunities those things that fit in with my passions and my interests. Um, I am sure that if I was, you know, I've been extremely blessed and fortunate to have been able to pursue two of my three passions in life of public service and acting. The third would have been, I would have loved to have been a professional baseball player or something, mm. but uh, a shortage of talent. That kept me from ever achieving that. But um, I, I think it's very important mm. that you pursue your
0: passions. And if you pursue your passions, you will eventually... Make right. the money that you, you, you desire, you will eventually achieve, the stature that you seek, but you'll be happy in the process. You'll be a much happier person, much more
2: content. You know, when I go and talk with kids at career days at elementary schools, junior highs, you know, the thing I always tell people is pick something. If you're looking for a future and you look for an occupation, a vocation, pick something that you're good at because you're going to have to make a living at it. Pick something that you enjoy so it won't feel like work and pick something where you're willing to make the sacrifices necessary to be the best at it that you can be. Um, so, you know, I've been, again, uh, I have no complaints when it comes to the opportunities that have been afforded me during my life. And I'm thankful that I've, so, uh, for the most part, been prepared when those opportunities uh, presented themselves.
1: Great. Uh, you know, something that struck me when I heard you and, and met you last week was your energy level. And again, from a personal development standpoint, can you share with the audience what you do to manage your time and manage your <laughs> energy level? Because you're you're involved in so many things. You, you have to have an ability to do both of those. So could you share that, you, share your tricks, if you will?
2: Well, I thank you for that compliment. Consider I'm 61 years old. It's nice to hear that I still project uh, energy and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's based on a couple of basic things. Number one, staying in physically staying physically fit. I still play basketball two or three times a week with college kids. Uh, so that's important, staying in good shape. You know, in life, it's, it's easy to be enthusiastic when you're in good health. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be enthusiastic and energetic when you enjoy the things that you're doing in life. You know, it's easy to be energetic enthusiastic when you have a lot of familial support. Now, I have great support from my parents, wonderful support from my wife. It's easy to be enthusiastic when you have children who are doing what they're supposed to be doing at this stage in life and who, thank God, are healthy and happy and smart. So I I, I really don't have any reason to be anything other than energetic (laughs) and enthusiastic. What do I have to feel down about? Mm -hmm. We we all have our our crosses to bear, Mm -hmm. but mine is a pretty small cross compared to to other people. I got to share this with you because I think it's just so, so instructive. I don't remember who gave me this piece of advice, but it was probably five, ten years ago somebody came up to me one day and just asked the normal conversation starting question that you asked, how are you doing today? And I gave him a little more thorough an answer than I typically would. Or now he said, I'm doing fine. How about you? And so I told him, I said, you know, I'm doing so well. Things are going so well that I am nervous. <laughs> I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because I know this, just, this good fortune just can't continue. And the guy looked at me and he said, you know, as long as you continue to help people, whenever you can, the other shoe might never drop. Hmm. And I thought, my goodness, that's not a bad bargain. If that's the bargain that I have with the higher powers. As long as I continue to help people, whenever I can, that I will be spared a fair amount of misery. I'll take that deal. Hmm. So, um, and so, and, and so that's how you know. I know I get derive certain pleasure from helping people. I don't keep. Hey, have to keep score, but that's always been, you know, when you're being altruistic,
0: it makes you feel good about yourself. When you're helping somebody else, you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Uh, when you're doing what you enjoy doing in life, you feel good. When you've kept yourself in shape, you feel good. So
2: just really some pretty, this is fundamental blocking and tackling. Uh, and, and I would just encourage everybody, if they're not in a place in life that they enjoy, if they're unhappy with their job, just remember, you can. There are. You can't reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't enjoy a rebirth, uh, and don't give up on your passions or the things that would that would fuel you and make you feel good about yourself. Now, I'm under no uh, delusions. I'm not going to be. I, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow.
1: Talking about the other shoe dropping, uh, I, I had a question that that, that I'm curious to because you, you've obviously bounced back from it. Uh, when you were county commissioner, there was a pretty severe crisis of confidence with with the Demora scandal, and I'm sure there was some guilt by association just because you were you were part of that gover- governing group. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. What, what kind of toll did that take on you personally, and how did you rebound from that?
2: of years and said, man, you look younger. And I know they say that because I've probably seen less threat, less stress. Hmm. I have no doubt that that's why uh, they have the perception that they do. Um, the first thing, while I was in the middle of it, I was focused on making sure that the shift didn't lurch too much. And the interesting thing is we kept our, balance, our, our, uh, our budget balance, we kept A handful of dollars, I mean, a quite substantial bond.
1: that's 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 great that that you have that that it had that integrity and again going back to to your parents the, talking about and, the values i, I
2: attributed to my parents i'm not trying to take the credit i was brought up a certain way i didn't bring myself up now if i had brought myself up and, and developed that kind of integrity then i gladly take
1: all the credit but i give mm-hmm. the credit to my folks mm-hmm. uh, you know going back to one of your earlier talking points and i it's, it, it's kind of building on this conversation. You know, you talked about people not even taking the effort and in the initiative to get out and register to vote and go out to vote. Uh, why, do, why do you think there's such apathy to being involved in the political process? Well, oh. wow. There's, there's people are writing treatises on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people simply feel powerless
2: in their own lives, so they don't think that their vote is going to make a difference. They don't have much communication with the leaders in their community. Um, uh, would you say? I, I tell you, we need to do something about these negative campaign commercials. Mm-hmm. Because by the time you get to listening to these commercials, you don't want to vote for anybody. You think everybody's a crook. Right. <laughs> So, so, so I mean, the system, our our campaign system, with all the money that's poured in, just think if the billions of dollars that's spent every year on elected, on electing or or defeating candidates, was spent on curing a problem, every educational, every school would be better, every workplace would be safer, every recreation center more secure. (laughs) <laughs> you know, there'd be less of these four police. Mm-hmm. But, but, it's, but instead, billions and billions of dollars are poured into campaigns. And that's, people feel disconnected from it. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the average citizen doesn't, can't, doesn't feel he can compete with the Coach Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, the average citizen uh, doesn't have interaction with uh, his or her elected officials. Uh, and the average citizen sees a mudslinging contest on the TV and on the radio airwaves during election cycle. And then look at
0: it, look at the deadlock mm-hmm. The gridlock in, in, in D.C. The partisan gridlock.
1: Something that amazes me, and this is just this is my personal perspective, is the internet has created more opportunities to research how how the person that you've your your elected official is performing in your eyes than that has ever been involved in in history. Um, but you know, my I I I, I think number one is. Most the average citizen doesn't identify five key issues on how they want to be represented, and they don't hold people account. They don't hold the, their elected officials accountable based on those personal key issues. And and I think to your point, they they just they're very lazy. People are lazy in some regards. They don't want to. They'll they'll watch YouTube videos for hours on the internet, but they but they won't.
2: Right. crazy cats for hours on wait, wait wait you didn't have to go to YouTube look what's on TV these days right right you've got three or four hundred channels of not a whole lot of stuff right reality shows people would rather watch people live their reality and it's a- Right. Um, they'd rather do that than live their own lives and create their own excitement and drama in their own right. existence. Uh, so, yeah, so um, your point is well taken. Yeah. Uh, and that's why you say it's not – and it is not just enough to vote, but you also need to be an educated voter, which right. means you need to take the time to read –
1: I find it fascinating that <laughs> Someone who has been elected as a Democrat, uh, my my personal perspective is I, I feel that the Democrat and Republican parties don't embrace all the views that are out there. What What's your perspective on having more than two parties for elected positions? I have no
2: problem with
1: it. Mm-hmm. You- as matter, uh, matter of fact, I think I'm going to be voting for third-party
2: candidates uh, this year in one of the uh, in one of the races, mm-hmm. so I so I've got uh, absolutely no problem with that whatsoever.
1: Mm-hmm. What? Why do? You, what? What can the? What can a citizen that that has this feeling about having only two choices? What can they do to go to government bodies that are prime? primarily Democrat and Republican and, and loosen up the restrictions and the strangleholds on
2: well, well, ballot access. That's, that's, that's where the challenge lies because Democrats, it's, you know, 99% of probably your elected officials in the state legislature and in your Congress are Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. And so the rules, are, the rules have clearly been written to favor the Democratic and Republican parties. And it's very challenging, very difficult mm-hmm. for a third party Mm-hmm. you know it's extremely challenging i mean there have been a couple presidential elections to which third party candidates have got
1: I did want to wrap up the interview here um, and I thank you for all your insights on a, on a myriad of issues. Um, you kind of touched on this already, but I, I, I wanted to get maybe a, a little more expansive answer. Okay. You talked about legacy leaving behind that it's your offspring and the quality qualities that, that, they, that they contribute to society. In terms of your public service and the other things you've been involved in, what legacies do you hope to leave behind from, from those endeavors?
0: When I look back on my 22 years in elective office, I'm pretty proud of it because there are laws that are in place that will
2: uh, make the state, that have made the state a better place um, in incremental ways and sometimes larger ways. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of having established the Ohio Commission on Fatherhood and proud to have uh, created the Cuyahoga County Fatherhood Initiative uh, because I think if you increase and enhance fathers' involvement in the lives of their children, their families' benefit, and obviously the children' benefit. Uh, I'm happy about, you know, just to name one piece of legislation, a piece of legislation that I championed that made it so organizations like Habitat for Humanity don't have to pay real property taxes on the property that they're holding, only long enough so that they can build a house and turn it over to Mm. a, a poor but deserving family. Uh, so I could, you know, uh, there's a, a law I've acted to strengthen the anti-stalking laws in the state of Ohio. Uh, I'm, I'm happy about the support I gave the county commissioner um, to local arts and cultural organizations to create a stream of, of uh, protectable, uh, regular revenue for them so that they can stay in business and continue to feed our hearts, souls, and spirits through the arts. So, you yeah, know, those are some of the tangible things that, that that I feel good about. Um, but, but when you think about legacy, you think about legacy, again, and I certainly believe first and foremost, your legacy established by your, your offspring should you have them, but you also have an obligation, duty, and responsibility to make the lives of those around you guys those who follow a little bit better a little easier and a little fairer whether it's tearing down unreasonable uh, and, and uh, prejudicial
1: Listeners wanted to connect with you. How could they do that?
2: Um, they can email me for starters, uh, Peter Lawson Jones at gmail.com, Peter Lawson Jones at gmail.com. I do have a website for my acting career. It's, not, it's
0: just not terribly interactive, but if people are interested in perusing that,
2: www.peterlawsonjones.com. But the easiest way to reach me is, and I'm also in the phone book. But feel free
1: to email me. Again, at my name, Jones at gmail.com. Well, great. Great. Well, that's going to conclude this interview. I I appreciate your time, Mr. Jones, and you've shared many wonderful insights and great core values, talking about your parents and and your personal journey, and I really appreciate you being on the show today.
2: Well, Ron, I like what you're doing with this show, and you are uh, a superb interviewer. And it's been a pleasure talking with you. And, you know, I, when I used to go into schools, my thought was uh, for, a, you know, to give a pep talk or a career day. If I can reach just one student, it's worth the time that I invest. So I hope that in the past uh, or said maybe one thing that somebody could say, uh-huh, I like that, and I'm going to incorporate that in my life. If, if that's achieved, then this has been an extraordinarily successful and valuable hour.
1: Okay. Well, if you can hold on the line, I'm going to just sign off on the show and then uh, talk to you just real briefly. Sure. Thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioans Radio Show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review, comments, feedback on the show. Have a great day, and we'll see you the next time.